Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Pastor and Bible teacher Harry Ironside shared a story years ago uh, about uh, a young man, a new Christian, who was giving his testimony uh, in a church. And with a huge grin on his face, this uh, young man shared about how uh, God had freed him from his bondage to sin. He gave God all the glory for his salvation. He didn't say anything about anything he had done. And there was a legalistic man who was there in the crowd listening to this testimony. He raised his hand and he said, sir, he said, you've shared about how God got all the glory for your salvation. He said, but I got a question. He said, didn't you do your part before God did his part? And this uh, Christian, this new Christian smiled and said, yes, I did. For more than 30 years, I ran away from God as fast as my sins would carry me. That was my part. But God took out after me and ran me down by his grace. That was his part. Pastor Ironside shared that young man's testimony told the story every follower of Jesus Christ knows. We too ran away from God in our sin against God as fast as our sins could carry us. But God, say that with me out loud, but God, again, but God, rich in grace, love, and mercy took out after us and he ran us down by his grace and he made us alive with him in Christ Jesus. We are saved by God's grace through our faith in Jesus, not by works so that no one can boast. Salvation is a gift we receive from God, not a work we achieve for God. This has been Paul's message throughout Galatians. This is our message still today as followers of Jesus Christ. Let me invite you to open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, we're making our way into this amazing final chapter Paul's focus in chapters 5 and 6 is family. We are family in Christ Jesus. We are free in Jesus by our faith in Jesus to live for Jesus with our family in Jesus. Paul's been sharing this message all the way through our study of Galatians. And this morning now, we enter into chapter 6 of Galatians. And Paul is going to share, beginning in verse 1, the very beginning of verse 1, and the address of verse 1, all the way through chapter 6. He's going to share with us some of our responsibilities that we have to one another as family in Jesus. We are blessed by God. A matter of fact, we've received every spiritual blessing from God in Christ Jesus. We have many blessings and many privileges, many joys as followers of Jesus Christ. But what Paul wants us to understand, with those being true, we also have responsibilities to God and in particular to one another from God. And so Paul, as we make our way into chapter 6 this morning, is going to share one of our most important, one of our greatest responsibilities that we have to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus that we're going to dive into here as we begin chapter 6, our study of chapter 6, with verse 1. So Father God, I pray right now by your spirit at work in us 
that you would now take your word and teach us by your spirit, Father, your truth. And then, God, would you fill us with the desire and the strength and the courage to apply and to obey your truth in our lives. In these moments, throughout the rest of the day and this week, God, we know that you want us not only to hear your word, but to do what it says. And so, Father, we give you the thanks in advance, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Galatians 6, verse 1. Paul wrote these words. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Quick summary statement on this verse as we begin. This is just a a quick summary statement. God doesn't want, God doesn't need, God isn't interested in Lone Ranger Christians. We are family in Christ Jesus. And among other truths, this means we need one another. We need one another. The overriding emphasis that we see here in verse 1 and that we're going to continue to follow as we make our way through the chapter is we need one another. Tell your neighbor, I need you. Now tell your neighbor, you need me. We need one another. You may not act like you need one another. You may not agree you need one another. You may not admit you need one another. We all may decide not to admit we need one another. But make no mistake about it, we need one another. We need one another's accountability. We need one another's comfort. We need one another's encouragement. We need one another's forgiveness. We need one another's grace. We need one another's help. We need one another's kindness. We need one another's love. We need one another's mercy. We need one another's prayers. We need one another's support. God blesses us and helps us through one another. God uses us in his work in one another's lives. Paul knew this. Peter knew this. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. As followers of Jesus, we have received a spiritual gift from God that we are to use, every one of us, to build up and bless the family of God, to build up and bless one another by the power of God for the glory of God. We know this, Paul knows this, and he's emphasizing this right here at the beginning of this chapter. Now, remember, keep in mind, Satan, our enemy, wants to keep us away from God, from one another, and from his church. One of the ways he does this is he tells us, you are not needed, you are not gifted, you are not welcome, you are not missed at church. Satan says these things because he doesn't want us to use the gifts we have received from God to build up and bless the family of God. Satan's a liar. There's no truth in him. As a follower of Jesus Christ, You are needed, you are gifted, you are welcome, you are missed when you're not with the family. We need one another. 
This is part of God's plan for your life and my life. This is how God's created and has orchestrated and set up his family. We need one another. And so with that summary, with that focus, as we look into this verse in particular, let's begin to take apart this verse. Paul started and he wrote, brothers and sisters. Now there's a lot in those three words there for us to to look at. So let's just take a moment and let's begin to mine some of the depth that we find there in those three words, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters means family. Paul addressed this letter, Paul addressed chapter six, verse one, to his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus who were part of uh, the churches in Southern Galatea as we've mentioned uh, literally almost a year ago when we started our study uh, of verse by verse through Galatians. This address is also to Paul's family and that includes you and me because we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So when Paul writes brothers and sisters in chapter six, verse one, understand that means family, understand even more importantly, that means you and that means me. So Almighty God is speaking through Paul's inspired writing here to you and to me this morning. Brothers and sisters also means faith. We enter God's family by faith in Jesus. We are related to one another by faith in Jesus. We are brothers and sisters by faith in Jesus. We please God as we walk by faith in Jesus. Brothers and sisters means faith. Remember, God's plan for us will always call for faith from us. God's plan for us will always call for faith from us. Everything that God calls us to do on a day-by-day basis is going to call us out of our comfort zones to trust him and to follow him by faith. And we demonstrate our faith and trust in God by our obedience to God, by the power of the Spirit alive in us. And so we know when Paul wrote brothers and sisters, that means family. That means faith. Our lives are about faith that is activated within our family our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. But brothers and sisters also means focus. It also talks about focus. Our focus as members of God's family is to please God. That's your focus, that's my focus. So they eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Our focus is to surrender to God on a day-by-day basis, to depend on God so that we may be able to walk in obedience to God and the truth of his word empowered by his spirit. Our focus is to walk by the spirit, not the flesh. Our focus is to keep in step with the spirit as we've been learning. Our focus is to serve one another through love. Our focus is to use the gifts that God has given us to build up and bless one another. Brother, Brothers and sisters talks to us about our family. It talks to us about faith. It talks to us about focus. Brothers and sisters also means fellowship. We have fellowship. We have partnership. We have community with one another in Jesus. And our fellowship stems from the freedom that we enjoy in Jesus. We have fellowship. It means community with one another. It means we get to bless one another. We get to comfort one another. We get to encourage one another. We get to help one another. We get to love one another. We get to do life together. We get to serve with one another. We get to serve one another. We get to pray for one another. We get to pray with one another. We get to see God at work with one another. We get to join God in his work with one another. And brothers and sisters focuses us in on fellowship. 
our fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We certainly join together corporately as we're doing right now each week. And there's a point and there's a place and there's a need for this corporate worship. But this is an aspect of our fellowship. But our fellowship goes much deeper than this. And it extends to our life teams, our small groups, our discipleship relationships, our mentorships, our life together. Because we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship. Brothers and sisters also means future. We are going to spend eternity with one another in heaven one day with our almighty God. I said, we're going to spend eternity one day in heaven together with our almighty God. Yes. Yes. Man, that's awesome. So what does that mean? It means this. We might as well endure. I mean, enjoy one another. And learn to love one another now. What are we waiting for? We're forever family. It's like the old saying, to dwell above with those we love, oh, that'll be glory. But to dwell below with those we know, well, that's a different story. We are talking about future, and the future is now. It's now. And it's going to continue throughout eternity, but it's now. You see, we know because we're brothers and sisters that this world is not our home. We know because we're brothers and sisters, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus. We know because we're brothers and sisters that our trials and our challenges and our struggles are only for a season. See, as brothers and sisters, we know that our present sufferings aren't worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us in in heaven one day. And so when Paul writes, brothers and sisters, I just want us to, to stop. We don't speed through that without taking a moment. As he's writing these words in chapter six, and he says, brothers and sisters, there's a lot of truth. There's a lot of meaning. There's a lot of blessing. There's a lot of responsibility in those three words. Brothers and sisters. And he continues with that brief but powerful introduction, brothers and sisters, and he says this. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, so let's look at this. If someone, someone means anyone. Your translation may read, if anyone. And obviously within the context of what Paul has just said and everything that we just shared, he's talking about a brother or sister in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying is brothers and sisters, if a brother or sister, if someone, if anyone, if a brother or sister in Christ Jesus, if one of your brothers or one of your sisters in Christ Jesus is overtaken, Overtaken literally means to be taken beforehand, to be taken before one can flee. It means to be caught, to be trapped, to be overcome. Overtaken or caught, in the original language, the word prolombano, it, it carries with it the element of surprise. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. And so if a brother or sister 
in Christ is overtaken. If they're taken away before they have an opportunity to flee, if they're overtaken, if they're caught, if they're trapped, he said, in any wrongdoing, wrongdoing means sin, trespass, or misdeed. In any wrongdoing, in any sin, wrongdoing, trespass, or misdeed, any, it's a qualifier, and what does that do? It qualifies and talks to us about any sin, any wrongdoing, any misdeed. That includes the big sins that we tend to emphasize and the small sins that we tend to excuse. The big sins that we want to talk about and we, and those small sins that, yeah, it's okay. It's not a big deal. That we excuse. You see, all sin is against God and is unpleasing to God. And so what we find here is Paul is, is getting ready to share some amazing responsibilities we have to one another. He says, brothers and sisters, if one of your brothers or sisters in Christ Jesus, one of your family members, is overtaken or caught in any sin or misdeed, wrongdoing, any trespass, He's going to begin to share with us our responsibility. Now, in order for us to be able to understand this truth and to apply it in our lives, I want to just take a moment and let's look at some points from this verse. Even now that we've already seen, let's identify a couple of points that will help us as we look to apply this verse in our lives and our relationships today and this week. The first point we see based on this introduction, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, the first point is this, spiritual warfare is real. We know this. This is true for every follower of Jesus Christ, no exceptions. Spiritual warfare is real. We are victors, we are overcomers, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, amen? We are victors in Christ. Paul talked about this in Ephesians chapter 6 when he told us finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the devil. We have the joy, privilege through our victory in Jesus that we get to live in the Lord's vast strength that is alive in us. We get to live in the vast strength of the Lord by the power of his spirit at work in us. We understand that we have the full armor of God that we are to put on that enables us to walk in our victory in Christ Jesus. That means we need to make sure that we put on our belt of truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We put on our gospel of peace sandals. We take out the shield of faith. We put on the helmet of salvation and we take out the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we're able to stand against the schemes, the tactics, the temptations, the lies of our enemy, Satan. And we're able to walk in victory and not in defeat. You see, as we shared last Sunday, we are dead to sin in Christ Jesus, but we're not done to sin. We're dead to sin, but we're not done with sin. We know and understand what Paul has been sharing with us leading up to chapter six, and now he shares the outflow of what he's been sharing up to chapter six. There is a spiritual battle that rages on inside of us for control of us between our flesh and the Holy Spirit of God every day all through the day. Scripture is clear on this point, as we've been sharing recently. Paul said, for I know nothing good lives in me, that is in my flesh. For the desire is with me to do what is good, but there's no ability to do it. 
Peter said, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Jesus talked to Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, stay awake and pray so that you do not give in to temptation, so you do not enter temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. And so we know as a Christ follower, day by day, especially through our study of chapter five, now leading the outflow of chapter six, we either walk by the flesh or we walk by the spirit. Day by day, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we walk by the flesh, we walk by the spirit. We lose when we walk by the flesh. That means when we rely on ourselves and depend on ourselves to resist sin and temptation in our strength and wisdom, we lose. We lose every time. Jesus said the flesh is weak. No shot. We win as we walk by the Spirit, as we rely on and depend on God to empower us by His Spirit in us to resist temptation, to resist sin, as we rely on God to empower us to walk by His Spirit, to give us the desire and the strength to say no to temptation and sin, to make sure that that armor of God is on so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. That's why Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. And so as we look at this, knowing all that we've come through, in particular in chapter 5, but certainly in chapters 1 through 5, and now we get to chapter 6, the very beginning of chapter 6, it's starting to make sense what Paul's saying here. It's very consistent. His writing is very consistent, very clear. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, reminds us, Spiritual warfare is real. Second point it reminds us of is that we must be alert. We must be alert. Though we know the reality of spiritual warfare, though we know we win in the Spirit, though we know we win as we walk by the Spirit, Paul is sharing with us here at the beginning of chapter 6 in verse 1, there will be times when we walk by the flesh, not the Spirit. There will be times when we are overtaken in a wrongdoing. There will be times when we are caught up in sin. Paul knew this. Peter knew this. John knew this. John wrote in 1 John chapter 1 in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. John understood this battle between the flesh and the spirit. John, the elder, one of the leaders of the church. Man, John understood within himself this battle that raged inside. John said, we're deceiving ourselves. If we claim as Christ followers that we don't have any sin, that we're done with our battle with sin on this side of heaven. So that we claim that the truth is not in us. He made sure to help us understand this reality. We understand this. Paul understood it. Peter understood it. John understood it. We understand this. I think as we look at this verse, we clearly interpret it first for ourselves as we do all scripture, but then we begin to interpret it in our our ministry to those God places around us and how we're going to use it to minister to those around us. But we understand this. I believe if we're all honest, clearly with God and with one another today, we understand the battle 
that rages inside of us between the flesh and the spirit. I know I certainly am very familiar with the battle that rages inside of me for control of me. That, that flesh defeated, yet hanging on, wants control of me and my thoughts because they direct my feelings and actions. And yet the Spirit of God dwelling within me is guiding and directing and leading my thoughts, feelings, and actions. We understand this battle. We understand Satan is our enemy. We know Satan tempts us because he hates us and wants to destroy us. Satan tempts us to sin against God by telling us what he offers us is better than what God has said to us in his word. Now let me give you a little hint. He knows that's not true. But he says it anyways because he's a liar and that's all he can do. So he tells us what he is offering us, as we see at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. He's telling us what what he's offering us is better than what God said to us in his word. While knowing that is absolutely absurd. He's a defeated liar, but he's going to say it anyways. And then he hopes that we, not walking by the Spirit, he hopes that we will give in to his temptation and give in to sin because when we are duped and when we are overtaken, when we're caught, when we give in to sin against God, what Satan will then do is he'll turn right back around and he will accuse us of being a failure, a hypocrite, a a fraud, and completely useless to God. I can't believe you did that. You call yourself a Christian. Well, just a few minutes before, he was telling us how great it was. You see, Satan's accusations, his lies, his temptations are designed to discourage us because he wants to destroy us. They're designed to ruin our relationship with God and our fellowship with God because they're designed to pull us away from God so that we would run away in discouragement and continue giving in to whatever that sin that has duped us. He lies and accuses us and he tempts us because he wants to ruin our relationship with one another and our fellowship with one another. And so he brings up all kinds of crazy schemes, lies, and accusations about motives that aren't even true to destroy relationships. He wants to ruin our witness for Jesus before those God's placed around us who need to know Jesus because he ultimately wants to destroy us. Now, listen, we understand and realize, praise God for our forgiveness in Jesus, amen? Praise God for our forgiveness in Jesus. John didn't stop at chapter 1, verse 8. He continued to verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. In those times, in those moments, when we're duped, when we're overtaken, when we're caught, when we are taken captive, when we're overcome and we give in to sin, the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us convicts us of our sin, and as he leads us back to God in humility before God, we are able to confess our sin to God. God forgives us of our sin. He restores us and he continues his work in and through and around us. Glory to God. He forgives us and he continues using us in his work, not only in our lives, but in the lives of one another around us. You see, we're free in Jesus to live for Jesus, not for our flesh. 
That's what Paul's been saying. But now Paul's telling him, hey, listen, if someone is overtaken, someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, Paul understands firsthand, says if anyone is overtaken, any wrongdoing, must be alert. You must be alert. He says, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, you who are spiritual means followers of Jesus Christ who were walking by the Spirit, not the flesh. Let me be clear. You who are spiritual is not a call to some super spiritual Christian elite SWAT team. That's not what he's talking about here. You who are spiritual is a call to brothers and sisters in Christ who are at different points in our walk with Jesus, at different levels of maturity in Jesus, but who are all one and the same seeking to live for Jesus by the power of Christ at work in us. You who are spiritual means those who are keeping in step with the Spirit. You who are spiritual means those who are displaying the fruit of the Spirit that we just finished walking through in their lives and relationships. You who are spiritual includes those who are surrendering themselves to God on a day-by-day basis, depending on God, so that they may walk in obedience to God and the truth of his word. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down real clearly. I want you to write this down. You who are spiritual, God wants you who are spiritual. If you're taking notes, write this down. God wants the you who are spiritual to include you and me. He wants you in that group. Again, he's talking about you and he's talking about me. Therefore, we must be alert. You who are spiritual reminds us that spiritual warfare is real. You who are spiritual reminds us that we must be alert. If someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, reminds us that spiritual warfare is real, reminds us that we must be alert. Now, here's the point. We must be alert first for ourselves. We must be alert for ourselves. I must be spiritually alert, and you must be spiritually alert. Think back to the beginning in Genesis where God was speaking to Cain and God told Cain, if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching out your, at your door. Its desire is for you. So that's true for you and me. We understand that we must be spiritually alert to the sins that so easily entangle us that we read about in Hebrews chapter 12. Those sins that we tend to struggle with more than others. Those sins that it seems like we just keep coming back to God and say, God, here I am again. God, forgive me. Cleanse me, empower me. But we also need to be spiritually alert to the sins that at times sneak up and surprise us. And overtake us. You see, remember, I said earlier, Paul used this word prolomano, overtaken or caught. It continues to carry this element of surprise. It includes the sins that we don't intend to commit. We start the day off walking by the Spirit, and we certainly don't intend to commit this particular sin, but because we're not spiritually alert, we're caught off guard, we're overtaken. And we give right into it, i.e., driving. Many others, but by your response, you understand the point. You understand. Overtaken. Here's the point, what what Paul is telling us, what we need to understand. We need to be alert. 
Here's what we must not do. Don't make the mistake of thinking. What Paul is saying, in other words, don't make the mistake of thinking, I'm good in this area. I don't need to focus on temptation in this area. I've got this. I'm going to focus my attention on this area. No, 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 no. That's a sure plan and formula for disaster. We need to stay alert in every area. Independent on the Spirit for His help. Jesus gave us a wonderful example of this. As He was talking with His disciples, you remember this scene. He's getting ready to be arrested and ultimately taken away to the cross. And He's gathered these his boys together. And he says this, guys, you're all going to fall away because of me in a very short amount of time. And Peter, Peter stood up and said, uh, Jesus, no. Jesus, let me just share with you, I'm not going to fall away from you. Matter of fact, if all of these other guys, and I could see it happen in Jesus, if all these other knuckleheads fall away from you, I want you to know I won't. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter said, I will never do that. With that point, the other guy said, yeah, yeah, we're not going to fall away either. Moments later, moments later, Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. And the other disciples fell away, just as Jesus said. We must be spiritually alert, first and foremost for ourselves. Secondly, we must be spiritually alert for one another. Remember, he said, if someone, that's our brother and sister in Christ, we're family, we got to run to one another, we got to help one another. We got to watch out for one another spiritually. One of the ways we show one another we love one another is by watching out for one another. Just like one of the ways we show God we love God is walking in obedience to God. So God says that we're to watch out for one another. And so we who are spiritual, we need to watch out for one another. That's a way we show our love for one another. We need to be spiritual alert for one another. When flying, you know this. You know this, you know exactly when likely where I'm going. When flying, just before takeoff, you and I can almost repeat the words. The flight attendant is going through the final instructions and they will come to that final time of instruction and they will say, case of emergency, if the oxygen mask deploy, put your mask on first before helping others around you. Put your mask on first before helping others around you. As we are spiritually alert for ourselves, we're able to be spiritually alert for one another. Now this is so vitally important and times not allow us to continue going forward, but we're gonna get back to verse one next week. And, and this is so vitally important for the understanding and the application of verse one. We must be spiritually alert for ourselves 
And as we are, we're able to be used by God to be spiritually alert and watchful for one another. Being spiritually alert, remember, begins with humility. Begins with humility. And you're going to see more about how this unfolds as we continue in this verse. It begins with humility. Peter understood humility. Peter understood this point of being spiritually alert. Go back to that point and many other points in Peter's life and his testimony. And then we look later on in his life in his letter, in his first letter to those believers that he administered to. He wrote these words in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone. For anyone he can devour. That anyone includes you and me. And so we see Paul and Peter agreeing, the Holy Spirit of God moving at the beginning of this chapter, reminding us we are family in Jesus and we need one another. I need you, you need me. We need one another. We need to stay connected to God, spiritually alert for ourselves. We need to stay connected to one another so we may be spiritually alert and watchful for one another. We need to give and we need to grow and we need to go. We need to do all that God's called us to do. We need to walk in obedience to this word because it's best for us. We need to play the role that God has called us to play in one another's lives, which includes these responsibilities, which includes being watchful for one another spiritually. And as we stay alert spiritually, We all are able to walk in our victory in Jesus together as family in Christ Jesus. We have another opportunity now in these moments to do just what Paul is sharing with us, what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do in these moments, to walk in the Word. Brothers and sisters, he's talking to you and to me. We are to be alert for ourselves and for one another. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. One of the greatest ways we're able to be alert for ourselves and one another is by praying with one another, praying for one another, by encouraging one another. So I want to give you an opportunity to do just that. In these moments, our pastors, our ministers are going to stand here at the front. They'd love to encourage you. They'd love to minister to you. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you. If you have a need, care, concern that you want to share with them, they'd love. It'd be their privilege to pray for you. If you've yet to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we've talked about the gospel. We've talked about the good news that salvation is a free gift that we receive from God. By God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, this gift of salvation costs Jesus his life, everything, and he extends it to us once again today. We have an opportunity to respond and receive this blessed gift of salvation by placing our faith in Jesus. We would love to introduce you to Jesus here, a person who's streaming online. But let me also encourage you as well, my brothers, my sisters, let's walk in the Word. Let's demonstrate our need for each other. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to worship and we're going to
sing our praise to God. This is our response. We have sung our praises to God. God's spoken to us by his spirit. Now we worship him through our response to him. For some, it'll be just to sing these words of praise. For others, it'll be to go and to pray with one another, pray for one another, to demonstrate that need for each other. Maybe to go and encourage a brother or sister, to go and bless a brother or sister. Maybe you need to go to a brother or sister and say, I need you. Sometimes the greatest thing that can happen is for us to be humble enough to go to a brother or sister who can't read our mind and say, I need you. I need your help. I need your prayers right here, right now. And give us an opportunity to minister to one another so that we might be able to be spiritually alert and watchful for one another. It's family time now. This response is, it's all about family time. And as we've said, we're family in Christ Jesus. So this is our time to respond to the Lord. Let's stand in obedience to the word and let's worship the Lord.